clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. This is Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. I like that you uh, threw a little spin on that there today, Doc. Did you even notice yeah. you did it? I think I said this is versus Yeah, you said I this, this is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this, it, I was going to do something just this, right at the same time and kind of be like, and this is the <laughs> Jeremiah this being, James. This being is me. <laughs> it's been a long week, man. Welcome back, folks, to the University of Pleasure. It is always good to see my partner in crime, the doc, even though we're seeing each other virtually. She's got a new setup, ladies and gentlemen. Can you even hear yeah. her better? <laughs> I hope so. Oh, 100%. Sorry, it's I so checked good. that by like clearing my throat. <laughs> <laughs> this is way better, everybody. Way All better. the things that you love to hear on a podcast. <laughs> Mouth <laughs> noises and, uh, you know, choking up phlegm. <laughs> Great. Yep. Good mic. Well, we hope you were all safe. We hope you were all healthy out there. And uh, thank you always to uh, people out there that are keeping us safe, our first responders and uh, healthcare workers. We know it's getting difficult out there again. And uh, we hope everybody just stays safe and healthy. And uh, again, just be a good human and, and respect each other. And we've got a couple of really interesting topics today. Not that all of our topics aren't interesting, but this is a little bit different today. So we're going to throw it out there. Chemistry. You can't force it. Just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean it's going to be. Now, when we were prepping this topic, Doc, we were talking about it, and I kind of was like, this, yeah, this is a little bit different than things we've normally talked about. You know, we talk about different things, obviously, about sex and you know, toys like we did in our last episode. But this is a little bit different because this is something that I have come to understand happens a lot. And and I think this is going to be really good for people to hear specifically coming from you. So let's jump into what this topic really means. Yeah. I mean, I think that really we're people talk a lot about chemistry, right? But it's kind of a vague term. I, and I think we see it a lot in movies, right? Where two people meet and, you know, they've fallen in love within like five hours and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so I think that people have a lot of really interesting sort of expectations for what chemistry uh, looks like and what it's supposed to feel like. And I don't know, I just think it's a fascinating topic because I end up talking about it a lot in sessions with people. And so, I don't know, I figured it'd be useful to talk about here. I think so too. And I think it's really great because <laughs> this is the kind of thing that, that people run into and they're like, okay, wait a minute, we had such great chemistry and this, I mean, it all fits the bill. Like he is mm -hmm. or she is exactly the right height, exactly the right body type, exactly the right this. And they make the money that I like and they make the blah, 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 blah. And the list goes on and on. And you're like, oh, 
it all seems to add up to a perfect mathematical equation of this is this is it. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I mean, well, but I think the whole point of this podcast would be or not this podcast, this uh, subject matter today would be that you use the word chemistry to, chemistry to describe that. And some people would. But what you just described are commonalities. Right. Right. And sometimes, right, like we both love scuba diving and, you know, like going to Applebee's on a Thursday night for dollar margarita night. I don't know what night that is. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't frequent. I don't frequent those Somebody nights. Is I just gonna be clear. Like, it's Tuesday night. It's Tuesday. How dare you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think that a lot of times people confuse commonalities, right, for chemistry or believe because there are commonalities that there should be chemistry. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, like this happens a lot, especially with the way that we kind of currently date a lot now being online. Right. Because you can sort of, you know, there's these algorithms and things that sort of exist where you can find people with a lot of commonalities. And don't get me wrong, like commonalities can sustain lots of things and can sustain great relationships and friendships and romantic relationships. But then there's this also this little thing that's sort of phenomenological, right? Meaning that it's this phenom that can't really be explained, which is chemistry, right? You can see somebody, let's say online and you're like, oh yes, look at this person, all the boxes, right? People talk about their boxes, right? Like this person checks all my boxes. They have such and such career, they make such and such money, or, you know, they have these interests that are really important to me. And then they meet in person. And it's uh, kind of like flat, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> right? They're sitting in front of this uh, other person here that they expected to be, you know, like, oh, we look so good on paper. And then they're kind of, you know, experiencing sort of this, like, all right, well, this should be good. This should be good, but they're not quite feeling it. And the part where that starts to get tricky, though, is that, you know, we have a lot of human biases, right, where we come, sometimes have a habit of trying to make ourselves want something because it seems like we should want it, right? And so if we get really invested in this idea of somebody on paper, it's easier than so like maybe be sitting on a date with someone and be like, I am bored. No, I'm not there. You know what? I think they might be interesting. This person seems interesting. Right. And you're trying yeah, to. And that's the thing. It's like you can't. I think so often I've run into with friends telling me, you know, male or female doesn't matter. Like, you know, we have so many things in common. I think, you know. That, you know, because I'll say something like, well, just because you have a lot in common doesn't mean there's chemistry. That might make them a really great friend and somebody you would want to go scuba diving with. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there is chemistry between the two of you, either emotionally or sexually, in a way that you would want a relationship. And they'll be like, no, no, because you can build on that, right? Because look at all the things we do together. Like, that'll happen. Like, that's not necessarily a thing, is it? I mean, and, and again, I think that it's so it's really more about like, you know, everyone as an individual. I think the reason that I bring it up is because people will maybe come in my office or personally talk to me about like being in a relationship with somebody. And it's like, it's kind of like the job that you should keep because it has good benefits. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I've, I've also had that conversation thousands of times. Like, huh, I hate this job. It doesn't really feel like a good fit. Like I really don't enjoy it. I'm bored most of the time, but it's got such good benefits, right? Like, <laughs> Like, I think especially the older we get as adults, the more we get attached to this idea of like what is, quote unquote, a responsible decision. Right. 
Like I shouldn't throw away a perfectly good job that has good benefits because that's not the quote unquote responsible thing to do. And in many ways, people find themselves doing the exact same things with relationships, right? Like we have this thing um, and in psychology, it's referred to as the social clock. And I think maybe I talked about it on a very early episode. You did, yes. Um, but just as a reminder, just in case everyone didn't memorize that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yeah. all of our, listen, our listeners went back and took notes and they have to just yeah, flip through their positive. notes, of course. This is a university. Listening. Did you take notes, folks? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure people are listening with highlighters and post-its. Um, <laughs> but the the idea that the social clock is this idea that um, there are certain things, like certain cultural expectations, like achievements that we expect to have happen by a certain time in someone's life, like, right, um, people graduate college in their early 20s, they meet a mate, I mean, it used to be much earlier, but maybe meet a mate and get married in their late 20s to early 30s, right? And what happens when people aren't meeting these expectations, right, like they're not on time with the social clock, people start to feel a lot of pressure and they start to feel bad, right? Like there's something wrong with them. The reality is the social clock is totally arbitrary, right? Like, you know, there is nothing that says that we all should magically meet our life mate or whatever, you know, if you're monogamous at 25 <laughs> like, or 23, <laughs> but people feel that way. And so a lot of times, sometimes like, with the social clock, somebody might meet somebody, let's say around like 28 or 30. And they're like, well, I met you and you seem like a responsible person to be with. So I guess let's do this. Right. And they sort of are pushed by this kind of cultural pressure to be in a particular relationship or, you know, the job really is a good parallel. Right. Or take a particular job. But the problem with that is about sustainability. Right. Yes. It's about sustainability. It's not that maybe that's a terrible decision, but the issue is when things aren't a good fit, whether it's a job or whether it's a relationship, taking sort of a good enough approach can create a lot of long-term problems. That makes perfect sense because you're actually, you know, you can, you might be able to get over the fact that you don't have the chemistry with that person for a while because it's got such great other benefits, but over time, that gulf will get wider and wider <laughs> in my yeah. in my opinion right like i mean am i, I mean, saying anything proper there yeah i mean it just tends to wear on people over time right like right. i don't even know how many conversations i've had with people and it's not necessarily that they don't care about this person as like a friend but like they just they're just not feeling it from this like romantic and especially because you know i'm a sex therapist sexual way right and part of it is that it was if we trace it back, it was kind of never really there in the first place. Right. And a person did a lot of maybe convincing of themselves that like, all right, well, this is a responsible person to be with because it looks really good on paper. We have a lot in common. They're very but stable or they yeah. have a nice job and we and then they have a nice house and I'll yeah. have a comfortable life or what have yeah. you. And then they start to get in it and it's like, okay, well, we make really good companions, right? Like we're really good friends, but that chemistry that was never there just also has never really showed up for us. Right. Like, and again, like, and, um, you know, we'll talk later in this episode about sort of, uh, chemistry a little bit further around, like, you know, when you, when you do have chemistry with someone, why you go a little insane in the beginning and all that exactly. stuff. Exactly. But like, I think when that is, isn't present in the beginning or, you know, it's kind of this like, Oh, I guess you'll do. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> But I'm not trying to be mean, right? It, but listen, I don't think it's I don't think anybody would misinterpret this as you being mean or or harsh because it's a real thing, you know. It, it it really does happen. Listen, I can personally tell you, 
that it has happened to me as Jeremiah James, where I was with somebody and, you know, you, you kind of go, yeah, this is great. That is great. And, you know, she's a really good person and I really enjoy her company. And, uh, you know, I was we were weird. It was it was one particular woman that I'm thinking about. We were together for like, I want to say a little more than a, a year or so. And, you know, she was beautiful. And in great shape. And the, b -b 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 -b. we had all these great times together. She liked things that I liked and, you know, all this stuff. But I didn't I didn't feel like we actually had a really great connection. And I kept pushing it away. I kept pushing it away. I'm like, no, 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 no. And everything else is so great. And she's so beautiful. And she's so talented. And she's so nice. And she's so <laughs> this. And she likes football. And, you know, like all these things that I kept trying to, it was like, I had this feeling of like trying to s stick a square peg in a round hole like this is this is supposed to fit in here. Mm -hmm. And 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 over time. I became more and more dissatisfied and frustrated and and in it, I could but I couldn't put my finger on why. And I kept trying to tell myself that, you know, we have so many great things in common that 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 will then become whatever the thing is that I'm missing, you know, there's <laughs> like that, you know, yeah. that we'll, we'll realize that once, if, if we were apart, we would realize all the things that we love about each other and then, you know, come back to each other, so to speak. Right. Of course, when I decided to end our relationship in that way, you know, that was a big thing in my mind of like, we'll come back together because we'll realize, no, what we realized was we really never had that connection in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. And she's an incredible woman and she's an incredible human being. And we had this great time together for a lot of the time that we had. But the connection wasn't there. That chemistry was not there. A lot of great things in common. A lot of fun together. Yep. Really great person. But we didn't have any chemistry. And I mean, and I let me tell you, Doc, a year's a long time to try to make chemistry. And, and I'm sure that there's a... <laughs> I'm sure right. there's a, and, and a there, lot of people there out there people, that do it longer than that. Yeah, there are some people that do it, will do it much longer, right? Um, and I've had a lot of conversations, right? I mean, honestly, people often don't come in to see me until problems are really big. I have some exceptions to that, like real go-getters that are like, that are like go-getters that are like, this just started, you know? And that's great. Please do that. Everyone do that. It's so much easier, right? If you have an infection and in something, go in right away. Don't wait till your like arm is about to fall off. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but but interestingly, that's kind of how people approach therapy, largely because of stigma. So I understand why that might happen. But when I see people and we trace things back like a lot, I don't even know how many times I've had conversations with people where it was like, well, you know, I kind of it just it was the age that I was at in my life. And it felt like it was a really, you know, just it was what I was supposed to do. And, you know, I could talk as a psychologist forever about the ways that all of our supposed tos tend to impact happiness and well-being oh and overall gosh, life satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could just from a basic psychology perspective, I could just go on and on about that. But I think sometimes it's not even, you know, we've been talking more about like maybe sometimes people get attached to commonalities. But I think there's a lot of different things like sometimes people just get really attached to like they think that they're supposed to like certain characteristics because maybe they really thought it was hot in a different partner. Like for instance, like I remember a conversation with, this is a friend where she was going on Tinder and she's heterosexual and she was looking for, you know, dating partner. And like, she was just flipping, like she's just swiping left on like everyone. And I was like, what is going on? And she's like, she's like, 
oh, I only like bad boys. And I, I was like, what is that? I was like, what is that even? I mean, I gave her some shit about it. I was like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I was like, only like bad boys. She's like, those are just the guys that I like. I'm like, well, how many nice guys have you dated? And she's like, oh, none. And I'm like, oh. well, and I'm like, well, how would you know then? Like, how would you know? Literally. Yeah. And, you know, I'm giving her a little shit. She's probably going to be upset with me about this, but <laughs> it's fine. Um, but like, she's a lovely human, but the, the re and, and honestly, the, the hilarious part of that is she went on to marry the nicest man. I've the ever sweetest met. guy on earth that all of a sudden was <laughs> just so caring and, and so what good. I understand and can see they have beautiful chemistry, right? But like, we do have this tendency to get attached to like particular characteristics or things that we think like, that's just what I like. And then what it causes us to do is to not try out other things, right? Or not believe that those things, like these are some of our biases, right? We don't try out other things and we kind of stay to what we know because it's familiar and familiarity creates comfort, right? Yeah. And we do this a lot in dating. But the interesting thing is, is like, because chemistry is phenomenological, meaning like we don't really understand it, unless you're out there trying a lot of different things and allowing yourself to meet a lot of different people and take some risks and take some chances, it's kind of hard to find chemistry, right? Like that's what I kind of meant in the title of like, you can't force it, right? right. There yep. isn't some amazing algorithm and there isn't some kind of, here's the ABCs of how to find chemistry with somebody. It's really more like you got to try a lot of different things and create some variety maybe in your dating experiences and relational experiences to really start to understand like what does and doesn't feel like the right fit for you in terms of a partnership because you know people will say opposites attract but I think if you went on either end of the extreme like I need to find someone exactly the same as me or I need to find someone totally opposite as me either way that's problematic right like right, totally I think it's more about um trying to not be as attached to this idea that there's some magical equation that's going to equal you being super super into somebody right. um and I think just to extend on that and the second piece of that would be in being honest with yourself when you know that you're not feeling that with somebody, which frankly is sometimes the harder part. That is the harder part because you, you really want to make sure. I mean, look, if, if you enjoy somebody, they're a nice person or, you know, what have you, you know, you don't want to. I mean, if you're a good person and trying to be a good human, like we always talk about here at the University of Pleasure, I mean, you don't want to hurt somebody. You don't want to, you know, break up with somebody and. Because you're not feeling it or whatnot, but that, I mean, that's the hard realities and you'll be okay in the end, like the doc always says, you know, but you're going to face that, you know, because really at the end of the day, if re you're going to find a partner that you have that kind of chemistry with, then you're going to be much happier in the long run. So, you know, at the end of the day, breaking up or, or, or realizing that this person is not right for you in that way. It may be hard in that moment, but in the end, you might go out and meet more people and find somebody that you have this unbelievable chemistry with. And it's just like, boom, there it is. And that's a technical term. Boom, there it is. <laughs> right. This is a scientific. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I do want to be fair that like chemistry isn't necessarily this like Hollywood moment, right? No. Like chemistry doesn't. I, when I say that, I don't mean you're like, yes, right. And you're right. just, you know, like starry eyed and everything like that. But it does mean like, you feel, you feel a connection and whether that connection is like through the roof, right. Or it's just mild, but you feel something that feels like, wow, I feel like this is a really good fit. And what I'd say is it's more about fit, right? Like if you put on a pair of shoes, even though they're maybe technically your size, 
you can tell if they're comfortable or not, right? Yes. Like just because you're yes. like, I normally wear seven and a half and then you put it on and you walk around and you're like, but it's very uncomfortable. You could say, but it's a seven and a half. So I have to keep wearing it. Right. right? And be <laughs> uncomfortable in that shoe or you could suck it up and be like, I guess in this one, maybe I'm an eight. Right. right? And it's about, it's about being honest with yourself about that fit. And, and I think that this is a really big piece too. Like I see couples in this scenario all the time that also that that's nobody's fault, right? Just because it's not a good fit, it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's doing something wrong. It's just about compatibility and fit. And in, in relationships where maybe people have let this go on too long, when I talk about sustainability, part of what happens is people start to blame each other for that. Yes, right? absolutely. They do. They, and, and then it becomes even more hurtful over time because then, you know, you're spending so much time, you know, like I was saying, trying to stick a square peg around hole that, you know, you, you start blaming the other person for, well, it's their fault because, or they didn't do this because, and, or, and then they're blaming you for some reason that somehow it's not working. And if you just tried harder, it may just be, this doesn't fit. And that's okay. Right. Well, and attraction is this very nebulous thing, right? Like, I don't even know how many conversations I've had in my office around nebulous. My... I'd like nebulous, that. That's a good right? one. That one's really good. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you. Um, but if, if people are like a lot of times people will talk about um, not like struggling with sexual interest or attraction in their partner and it becomes this like almost moving target, right? People will be like, well, if you just do this thing, then I'd want to be sexual with you or I'd have like attraction or interest in you. And then the person does that thing and then they're like, well, if you just do this thing, right? And then all of a sudden we're like 17 things down the line and then I start to ask questions about like, do you just feel attracted to this person and kind of forcing people to get honest around like, no, I've never really felt that. Right. And they're, and, and they're trying to find it. Right. Because right, they right. want it to fit. And they I understand that sure. they want it to fit. Like people don't want to hurt other people. They don't want to leave relationships that are important to them, even if it's more from a companionship respect perspective, but like people really keep trying to create that, but you can't just force attraction to something that's not there. Right. And, um, don't get me wrong. Like, you can figure out if there are like relational barriers that are getting in the way of that or if there are maybe yeah, like we've like... talked about in other podcasts, you know, we've talked about in other episodes where it's like, you know, I mean, maybe it's, you know, there are barriers that are in the way that we can work through that. That's just, you know, you haven't communicated properly. But what we're talking about right here is just that overall fit. If there aren't barriers and there aren't issues that, you know, could be worked through in a way of just like sexual communication or I like you know, this and we've never talked about it or, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, there's been like a big wound in the relationship. There's been like a betrayal or somebody's been really hurt. Like those, all those sorts of things can impact like interest and arousal and exactly. attraction and lots of other things I'm not listing here. But I'm talking about like literal, like romantic sexual attraction, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's never really been there and now you're in a position where you're, you're really wanting to make it work, but you, you've tried a lot of stuff and you're kind of putting your partner in a position where you're, you're kind of making them jump through hoops, right? And you just keep not finding it. Maybe that doesn't mean that your partner's not doing, or that your partner's doing something wrong. And it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Maybe that just means that it's just not there. It's just and not there. That, it might not and be that's there. Not, and that's not anybody's fault. Exactly. And, and I think that that's why I talk about it more now. Like I think about thinking of it in particular in the beginning of relationships, right? Because um, it's much easier when you know something doesn't fit, being honest with yourself about that as soon as possible 
and leaving, right? That becomes much harder if you're trying to force something to fit and then you stay in a long-term relationship because that can create much more pain, much more distress, much more difficulty for people. For both of for both both parties at Absolutely. the end of the day. Yeah. Right. Because most people are just doing their best, right? right? Like most people are just doing their best. But these are really common things that people can fall into in relational patterns, especially because of cultural social pressures that we put on people to have certain things figured out by a certain age, right? And I mean, I really could talk about this. I could have this exact same conversation about career. Yeah, I really it's, it's literally it, it parallels like, so well, Doc. Yeah, I, I mean, really, I don't could. think it's as good as your parallels to ice cream. <laughs> mine to sushi from past episodes, but it's definitely up there. Right. So listen, if you are struggling in that way, folks, and you are finding that, you know, you've done all the due diligence, you know, and you're still really struggling, go find someone like the doc to talk to about that. Yeah. Have somebody where you can sit down and try to work through those things because nobody wants to hurt anybody. Nobody wants to say, actually, you know, you never did it for me. You know, but, you know, these are really, really, really difficult things. They're weighted things. And sometimes that connection might not be there. And then, you know, if so, it's nobody's fault and nobody right. should feel horrible or, or hold any kind of animosity. And I think in my opinion, the, you know, if you're able to sit down with somebody like the doc and have an honest conversation where they can help give you some thoughts about what direction you may need to go and work through things and it doesn't work out, may not work out. So find someone like the doc and talk to them about it. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, if especially if it's pretty far gone in a relationship, right? And if it's more of like you're just out there, you're dating, you're looking, then it's more sort of a like tale of warning, right? Like be aware. But ultimately, I think my biggest piece of uh, kind of feedback for people would be trust your gut, right? If it doesn't feel right, it's probably because it's not. There you and go. we have a lot of there's some really fascinating research there about the way that we make decisions. And, you know, there's certain times where it's really great to be overly analytical and to take um, to take a lot of data and to think about it from all the different angles. But interestingly, when we look at research around like kind of personal decisions and personal choices like love, career, things like that, a lot of times it's more about the style of thinking that's more emotionally based, right? Like, does it feel right? What does your what's like instinctive thinking? What does your gut tell you? And more often, that's actually a more reliable source of information than all that really over, overly analytical thinking. So really, for reals, <laughs> right? Yeah. if it doesn't feel right, it's probably because it's not. And try, trying to just trust yourself in that and not to force something because you think you should or because you, it seems like the responsible decision. Because over time, it's going to feel a lot less responsible because you're going to find yourself and maybe pull someone else into a scenario uh, unpurposefully, but pull someone else into a scenario that neither one of you really want to be in. There you are. You heard it from a doc. Life's a roller coaster. Love's a roller coaster. Would you not agree, Doc? <laughs> yeah, I guess yes. <laughs> you know sure. why I said that? Because yeah. our next sequence, our next part of the University of Pleasure episode, is about the roller coaster of love. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. And we're back, folks. You know, I still never get tired of listening to our music because it was composed by the incredible Robert Felstein, who I'm a huge fan of. And it always just makes me kind of smile. Like, it's so, like, regal. And I'm so not. It's always kind of like how you might envision yourself, you know, like, oh, this is how smart I am. 
this is my music. But it really is music for you because you're super smart. <laughs> That's yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I listened to. I like. I just listened to a, a like '80s hair band mix running the other day. So yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't know that I'd put me on that high of a pedestal, man. <laughs> well, I do, Doc, because I think you're brilliant. So let's get back to your brilliance and help some more people with some more stuff. And this thing that we're about to talk about now. This, I got so many, so many things I can talk about about this. Okay. Roller coaster of love. I can't keep my hands off you. Two. Meh. I'm not feeling it tonight. Ooh. Ooh, it takes me back. It takes me on a journey. Brings me to a different place. It's like that song that you dance to in the seventh grade that you hear and you're like, oh, I remember that. But of course, I remember that very fondly. And this, I remember not so fondly. <laughs> what? what is, you'll have to clarify. What do you All right, I'm going to clarify. I'm going to clarify. Okay. And I want to I be very clear here. This all sits on me. Okay. Not my partner. I was in a relationship where I was with a woman who didn't want to touch me. Like, she just wasn't interested in it. We didn't, we didn't sleep together for months at a time. Like, months and months and months at a time. Um, and once I was out of that relationship, I was like, I'll never go back to that. And because, you know, I'm always somebody that's been, I have a pretty high drive, you know, and I think a lot of guys do. And a lot of guys can sustain that high sex drive, right? Because what we're talking about here, folks, if I may say, Doc, is that idea of you start in a relationship and everything's really hot and heavy and everybody's in the clouds and it's just, oh, I can't get enough of you. I can't keep my hands off you. And then all of a sudden, like a few months later, it's like sitting on the couch, watching TV, like, hey, maybe we should uh, remember those times when we were doing that a lot. And the partner's like, yeah, I'm over that. And you're like, oh, what does that mean? Does it mean you don't like me? And I've been in that, I've been in that situation and it was not the part, it was not the fault of any partner. What I have come to learn is that this is something that happens. It's a very normal thing. It's a very, am I wrong with this, Doc? Am I wrong? No, I mean, I, I was just going to let you keep going. Do the whole thing. You, you know? want me to do the whole podcast? <laughs> uh, let me do this whole thing. I'm just kidding. Please well, don't. because I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be leaving the podcast and starting my um, life coaching business. And uh, now that I'm, I'm going to take all these little tidbits that I've learned from the doc and words used like earlier in the podcast, like nebulous, and I'm going to work nebulous into things and I'm going to go out on the, uh, I think you explained scene. all the reasons you should not be a life coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take bits and pieces of stuff and kind of throw them out there randomly yeah. and hope that they things that people come like together. agree with. Yeah. And then just they'll nod at me and I'll be like, yeah, and then just say yes. And everybody will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also know. just going to teach people to lead their life, like live their life through platitudes yeah, and just hope exactly. that it all works out. Great. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. See, I didn't need to go to school all those years. <laughs> <laughs> you Ooh, if you could just, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you, folks, if you could just see the look she just gave me when I said that. <laughs> like she literally, even though she kept a smile on her face, you could see the teeth grind. It was like, I'm totally kidding. I would never go out and be a life coach in that way. I'm sorry, Doc. I didn't mean to upset you in this moment in time. We're having a great oh, conversation, I, a wonderful dialogue. I'm not going mean, to do that. Okay. That's fine. I mean, I was just more wondering if we were going to get back to this topic. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Let's get back to it. And I'm sure everyone's super interested in your career aspirations. but. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Of course they are. Of course they are. So listen, this is a thing that naturally happens. And actually prepping this, the doc and I talked about it a little bit, and she's going to obviously talk a little bit about it, but it is a real thing. You know, I think that uh, in my experience, it happened a couple of times, a couple of different relationships where everything was really hot and heavy in the beginning, and then it kind of tapered off. And then I was just, you know, I had a lot of personal insecurities, like, does that mean I'm, you know, not in good enough shape or, you know, they don't desire me anymore or, you know, and, and it really kind of put a lot of the onus on me. And then I would try to talk to partners about it. There were a lot of things like that that came up. And you were telling me, they were like, no, 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 this is completely natural. And this happens a lot. And actually, what I found fascinating that you're going to talk about in a moment, and I'm not going to spoil it, but there but was like a br- But I am. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going, man. You're on a roll. I'm on a roll. I feel so good. I'm talking about something. I feel I've connection stop, to this. I've got to stop giving you access to my notes. Because <laughs> you just give like Jeremiah's cliff notes of my notes. <laughs> in, in a way that is sort of a bit like it's going in the right direction. But <laughs> I'm going to let you talk too. I just was talking about my personal experience. All I was going to say, the last thing I was going to say, and then we're going to let the intelligent person talk. We actually oh, understand. Clearly... <laughs> All I was going to say was that there's actually a, a chemical thing that happens in the beginning of a relationship. And that was what I found fascinating. And you're going to talk about that, you know, that happens in the brain. So lay it on us. Give us some explanation, because I think this is something that universally happens to, to couples and, you know, yeah. any any type of relationship, whether it's gay or straight or whatever, that that this is something that happens. Hot and heavy in the beginning, tapers off. One person might want it, more, want it more than the other one. And then what's that mean and why? Now give an actual <laughs> explanation. <laughs> Oof. Whew, I feel like you had a lot of caffeine this morning. <laughs> All right. Thank you, exci- Jeremiah. I was excited because I felt so connected to this one. I'm sorry. I know. No, you shouldn't be sorry. I appreciate your enthusiasm and Thank you. all of those words. Did I give away too uh, many of your notes? I don't think I did. Well, it's fine. I need to go back and correct half the things anyway. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go with it. No, as uh, Jeremiah has articulated. <laughs> Yes. It is a pretty common experience in a relationship and in a relationship. And I think what I'm talking about, right? Like when I say roller coaster of love, right? I can't keep my hands off you to meh, I'm not feeling it tonight, is this idea that in the beginning of relationships, not all, but a lot of couples will describe having um this kind of really intense connection. Some people will describe almost feeling like crazy, right? Like they're yeah. like, I'm obsessed with this person. I can't stop thinking about them. I'm sure. losing sleep. Like it's almost like like it's almost like exquisite pain, right? Like where it feels really good, but kind of a little bad at the same time because you're sort of nervous all the time. And and you know, all of these things are really typical and normal things that can happen, right? There's always exceptions, right? So there's some people that maybe are out there like, I just don't feel that way when I meet new people that I'm connected with. And that's fine. But a lot of people describe feeling this way. And the interesting thing is, is, you know, during that time, you know, our, <laughs> our bodies and our brains are actually changing, right? Like we're having these chemical changes and I'm not a neurobiologist, right? So I'm not going to go like deep, deep into the weeds because I'm going to get certain things wrong, right? But you know, there are like, unlike me who got nothing wrong in this, in my, 
my last explanation of all of this. So right, I mean, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna recognize the limitations of um, my <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Are you saying you don't recognize my? Li- I don't recognize my limitations. I think I'm, I I think I recognize my limitations, and okay. I'm a humble enough person to be able oh. to. Say- <laughs> so okay, okay. I digress. I'm sorry. Continue. There it is. Continue. Okay. So, um, no, I mean, just basically when we're in these states, I think one of the things that we forget is that like, um, and I think we know it intellectually, right? But these are temporary periods of time, right? And it's kind of like, think of it sort of like mating brain. I think whatever, like what we often forget about ourselves as, as humans is that we're just animals. I mean, we're, we're fancy animals, right? We can wear top hats and whatnot, but we're still just animals. Agreed. And- I even have a t-shirt. It's one of my favorite t-shirts. As I, as you know, I like to wear a lot of printed t-shirts and, and it, it's got a monk, it's got a chimpanzee on it and it says, uh, 98.9% chimp. <laughs> <laughs> because, because really, aren't we only, you know, like, they're like 98%, you know, the same DNA coding that we are. Isn't, aren't we that close? I, you know what? I don't know. And I would not, I, I don't want to say because I have, I don't know if it's that Well, close. my printed t-shirt says it, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't feel comfortable relying on that. So. Okay. Sure, I mean, sure, it's data. Sure it's maybe data. Maybe a listener, I'm sure maybe a, I could look it up and I, or if not, I'm sure a listener could inform us. Somebody okay, would great. probably know better Anybody than Anybody out there that might be a, a biologist or I don't know what job would constitute knowing that information, but uh, hit us up okay. at the University of Pleasure. Continue. An evolutionary geneticist, maybe. So, maybe. See, I don't even know that that was a thing. That right. takes an educated person to so, understand. So now get uh, back to it. Mating brain. Thank you. Um, Yeah, there are a lot of, you know, when we're falling in love or when we're starting to attach to another person, there's a number of neurochemical and biological changes that can occur, right? And these things can change the way that we think, feel, and even behave, right? And definitely one of the areas where it can change the way that we behave is in sex, right? Like people tend to have a much higher sex drive. They have a tendency to be... um, a little bit more adventurous, right? To try things that they maybe wouldn't try. Um, And, you know, they also tend to have the capacity to maybe be much more focused on a partner, right? Like all of these things are really normative experiences. Um, But, uh, oh, and sometimes people might hear this actually time period, uh, time period referred to as new relationship energy. Um, It's talked a lot about in like polyamorous or open communities. Interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah. It's not Um, surprising. There's plenty of things I don't know. I mean, we were talking about, you know, prostate play the other day on the episode. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's the the whole point of this education. Listen, I learned just as much as you folks. So she said that and I was like, oh, oh, do they say that? Continue. I mean, the more commonly like colloquial phrase would be like the honeymoon period, right? That I've heard. That one I know. Right. Thank you. The honeymoon period. Right. The honeymoon period. But, you know, in um, polyamorous circles or open communities, sometimes new relationship energy, you'll hear people talking about NRE. Right. And what they're meaning is that experience, that really exciting experience of meeting and attaching to a new person. Right. And it can make you uh, a little crazy. Right. It can make you feel a little crazy. It can make you a little obsessive. It feels good. It kind of feels bad. Right. Like you don't eat. A lot of people might lose weight. 
during that time. You can stay up for 48 hours and not need any sleep, right? And and those things are totally normal. But the reason that I think it's helpful to like point out, right? Like everybody kind of knows that and they know that that happens. But I think what people don't often realize is, is that sometimes in relationships, that time period starts to shape expectations of what the rest of the relationship is going to look yes, like. Yes, totally 100% shaping it, shaping expectations. That's yes. Yes. And so that's where it can create some struggles for people, right? I literally have, I couldn't even count the number of times that I've heard somebody say, whether in my office or in conversations like, well, this isn't what it was in the beginning, right? Obviously, like, let's say like a couple is having some desire discrepancy, meaning one person wants to be sexual much more than the other, right? And somebody's like, in the beginning, you wanted to have sex all the time, or in the beginning, you'd have sex anywhere, right? Like what happened? You used to be so adventurous. And a lot of times people feel like somebody was manipulating them, right? Like this person absolutely, was sex, right? Like people will feel like someone was tricking them. Like you, did you just do that? So I date you or so I'd marry you or whatever the situation might be. And they feel bitter and upset about it. And I'm not saying that there isn't, there aren't some people that maybe wouldn't try to shape their behavior to be more desirable to somebody else. Although I'd say to a certain degree, we all kind of do that when we date. Right. But I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that do that to a highly problematic degree. Right. And they maybe really are being manipulative, but I would say that that is far, far, far more the exception, right? A lot of people, when they're having sex with someone, you know, every single day or three times a day and you can't keep your hands off each other and you're having sex in corridors and cars and <laughs> many other places. Yeah, yeah. Are typically a little riskier, right? That behavior, and this is something to think about, is probably genuine, right? But it's genuine for the brain state that they are in at the time. And the question is whether or not that someone's able to sustain that over time. And a lot of people, you know, are not because it's pretty intense, right? Well, frankly, you'd lose your jobs. If you know what I mean? Totally, totally. 100%. probably lose, like, it's just an intensity. And so it's this temporary period of time. But more often than not, when somebody's doing that, like, people are really genuine in those behaviors. And I think that that's something in, really important to think about because um, what happens is if people don't feel that way, A, they might feel manipulated or B, they might get really attached to sort of a set of expectations of what sex is going to look like or sexual romantic like behaviors are going to look like for the duration of, uh, of the relationship. And those expectations might A, not be realistic and definitely not sustainable. And in general, that's going to create a lot more conflict and a lot more distress. A lot of times when people come in my office and they talk about, well, this isn't what it was like in the beginning, I explain some of these things to people and I talk about, so one of the things that we may have to do is write a different sort of narrative around like what is more reasonable, like not to say that it can't still be fun, it can't still be exciting, but it's probably never going to look like it was in the beginning because that's literally a different brain state right? You are literally in a different brain state and you can't recreate that, right? You can't recreate that sort of level of obsessiveness or intensity um, that you had at the beginning. So rather than being attached and trying to always get back to there, right? Because interestingly, yeah. I will ask people like, what are your goals in therapy? And people will often say, well, I want it to look like it looked in the beginning. Yep. I, and I'm not. I, yeah. I mean, again, this is exactly what I ran into and what you're saying. It, it, 
is so real to me right now, which is why I was so excited in the beginning about it, <laughs> but because this is something that I ran into and I, I felt a lot of guilt about and and I still do for trying uh, to push my partner at the time, like, come on, like, why, what happened back, you know, you remember when, and I even used those words and I feel very badly about it to this day because now I'm a little bit more educated and I'm a little, you know, getting to know and, and learn things through you and then the world in general, you know, because um, it was a long time ago. But that was something that I did run into. And, and it actually, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, this is actually a very natural, normal thing. And uh, I appreciate you, Doc, explaining it in a way that people can understand that this is a natural thing. You know, this does happen to a lot of people in a lot of couples. It's not abnormal. And, and really what you said just about the expectations aspect of it, you know, that sets an expectation. Yeah. I mean, because the be the kind of quote unquote beginning is still often held as the gold standard for what sex should look like in the relationship moving forward. Right. And if uh -huh. it's not meeting that standard, people often feel disappointed. They kind of feel, like I said, sometimes people feel manipulated. Sometimes people feel like, um, you know, like they're missing out somehow. And the reality is that, you know, you, I often tell people, if they tell me that their goal is for it to look like what it looked like in the beginning, I'll say, well, I don't know that I know how to do that because that was a very specific temporary period of time. But that doesn't mean we can't help you make it look really good and great for now, right? And what, you know, reasonable expectations are for now. But part of it is about getting people to detach from that time period so can, they can see what maybe some different possibilities are. And so I essentially mean like it's kind of like letting people go, helping people let go of one storyline of what it's supposed to look like and writing a new storyline, right? Okay, so how would we go about doing that then? Well, I think the first is kind of like, a, like I always say, it's just building some understanding, right? Like a lot of times people don't realize that their expectations are unrealistic until you, until you really start talking about it, right? And you maybe really start talking about what maybe is unrealistic about those expectations. And again, to be fair, people are not doing this stuff on purpose. We can, like I always say on here, you, you can't know what you've never learned, right? That's the point of us talking about this stuff. Totally. And, 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 I, and I will say sometimes just even having this conversation with people, right? Like this is a temporary period of time. Like you're sort of in like mating brain, like that's not sustainable. That can make a big difference just in opening up people to the idea that like, okay, maybe that isn't in a realistic set of expectations. And it sometimes can open people up to having different types of conversations about problem solving now, because it's a really big barrier to problem solving when someone's saying like, but I want like it was then. And someone says, but I can't do what I was doing then. And someone says, but that's what I want. And if it's not that, then it's not good enough, right? That's really deflating. That's really demotivating. And if you can get people out of that framework, they start having different type of conversations about maybe what it could look like. It frees people up. Does that make sense? Of course it does. And you know what? I just, again, this is why it's so brilliant to talk to you about something like this, you know, to be able to go and talk to someone like you, you know, with your partner, if you've run into this kind of situation, like I said, that I have to be able to sit down and try to find that because it, you know, for me, I know that it was my expectations. Like even hearing this now and you know, to be able to sit down with somebody and say, hey, you know, you got to readjust these expectations, <laughs> you know, right. and, and be able to then break through that to then have a good communication about what you would need to do to go forward. Yes. Am I saying that right yes, now? You are. And, and I think the other thing would be that um, 
just in it because I didn't say it earlier. Like sometimes it's also not like people like sometimes it's not even just about that mating brain. It's also about the freedom that people have in new relationships. Right. In new relationships, people are often younger. Right. Um, And if they're not like they're like oftentimes statistically people might be younger they might have less responsibilities. They may not have children. They may be younger in terms of their career, right? In terms of the responsibilities, right? Like if you're like, hey, I'm waiting tables and at this time, you know, like which I did, by the way. No, like I waited tables all my way through school for like I 15 bet years. you were a really so, good waitress. I bet you were uh, really good at it. Server? Hello? I'm server. sorry. I bet you were a really good server. Thank you. I know I was um, because uh, I actually even worked at the Olive like Garden. I, I worked. I was. I mean, I don't want to brag about that right now. And I won't go on a whole crazy, you know, tirade. But you know, I was. Uh, right. I was a certified trainer and a bartender there, and I actually opened an Olive Garden. Listen. You yeah, you were a big deal in the OG. I understand. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Thank you for admitting that. <laughs> I was. I was okay. a big deal. I was a big deal. <laughs> um all right um although i just will say big respect to all the service people out there right Agreed. now it is a very times. difficult job and i'm For a firm sure. believer that anybody who has never served tables should learn that and learn how difficult it really is uh just and you would end up service. learning how to treat people a little bit better yeah if you've never world. worked in customer service in some way shape or form right yeah. I, I think it should be mandated i that totally is, agree I, anyway continue Doc. um anyway but my point is, is right, like people might have some jobs that allow them at younger ages more flexibility, more freedom, have maybe certain less responsibilities with them. And then as they age, right, people get promotions or they work their way up in a certain career path. And so there's more responsibility and time. And then people have children, which are obviously lovely, but responsibility and time. And so these are also things that can start to shape the way that a sexual relationship can look, right? And what's reasonable. That's what I mean. Like, In the beginning, if you've got two people that have a lot of freedom, particularly in time and energy resources, you can have all the sex you want and you can have it right Totally. But if you've got, let's say, two adults, two partners, right, that have been together for a while and they have young children and they're both working full-time jobs, to expect that it's going to look like in the beginning beyond just the chemistry stuff that we're talking about, like the neurochemical stuff that we're talking about, that would not be a realistic expectation at all because sex sex is fun and it can be energizing, but it also still requires energy. It requires energy. It requires focus. And you have, if you have a lot of other things in your life that are pulling for that, right, then you have some competition here. And so I think if people just have this competition, right, where their focuses are being pulled, you know, sometimes that can create a, its, its own set of struggles. And I guess in general, you know, just to kind of close out this topic here, you know, there are a lot of different ways that getting really attached to that beginning as the only way that uh, a sexual relationship can look like and should be can become problematic. And so more than anything, um, I would say, you know, for sort of the listeners out there, if if you yourself are maybe resonating, I guess, with some of the things that we're talking about and being like, ah, this is maybe something I'm doing, sort of asking yourself, like, are those expectations reasonable for the time period that you're kind of living in now? And could maybe having a conversation with your partner about those expectations and whether or not they're reasonable and coming up with something that would be more realistic, like, could that help? And as always, if for some reason, if it's a major struggle, right, and a major source of conflict, then obviously I always recommend people go and see someone professionally. Go talk to somebody like the doc. 
because I'm telling you, I keep saying it. I know you guys probably rolling your eyes at this point, a lot of listeners out there, but I learn just as much as you guys do sometimes from this incredible doctor, human. She's amazing. So thank you, Doc, for all the education. I learned a lot today. Hope you all learned a lot today. Um, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and share the University of Pleasure with your friends. Because I'm just Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. And I'm Dr. <laughs> Terry <Jackson. laughs> Sorry, man. Come on, Doc. How many times have we done a closeout? This is, this is you know... <laughs> <laughs> she was just, I, let, I tell you, folks, she was just giving me this look like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, now it's your turn. <laughs> 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 We're nothing if not in uh, professionals here at the University of Pleasure. Well, now, okay. well, I'm Dr. Tara Jansen. <laughs> <laughs> Licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist, and someone that's highly distractible <laughs> there was a bird there was a blue jay outside the window <laughs> sorry thank you it's everyone for listening <laughs> thank you folks and we will be talking to you again soon well next monday being soon take care stay safe stay healthy bye-bye This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com.